Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Something had happened in his heart where he said, I don't care what people think. I'm living my life before my God. The stories of Daniel in the lion's den and Daniel in the fiery furnace are well known. Not just stories though, they are accounts of the real life of the young man Daniel. Who was this bloke who survived his encounter with the lions and resolved to honour God above everything else? Tonight, Dr. Corbett opens the Old Testament book of Daniel as we begin our exploration of his life with Daniel's resolve. The book of Daniel fits into Jeremiah. So we have already seen that in the story of the book and the prophet Jeremiah, there's, there's been an initial invasion of Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar. This took place... Uh, around uh, the 600s BC, early 600s BC. And we are poised now in around about 590 or so BC as we're looking at Jeremiah. So we come back just a little bit in history to look at what was going on in Babylon because the Babylonians had a had an interesting strategy when they invaded a country they weren't really interested in running another country as far as thinning out their administration what they would do to undermine that country was they would impose a huge tax on that country and then they would take the cream of the crop the the royalty, the, the intellectuals, the educated. And they would take them back to Babylon. And by doing that, they were actually weakening the country which they had conquered. And what's happened is that in, in that exile, that first exile, exile means that you're fleeing a country and you're going to another country. Daniel was a part of that. So he was considered to be the, one of the cream of the crop. And we'll see this in a moment. Now, he would have been a young boy. Now, a young boy, what do we mean? Somewhere in the ballpark, maybe 14 to 19 years of age, he was in that ballpark. And the reason we know that is because he says in chapter, uh, the first three verses of chapter 9 that he had a record of the prophet of Jeremiah. And the way he refers to it is, not only did he have a record of it, he heard Jeremiah give it. He, he was aware of it. And he's, he's clearly aware of Jeremiah. And the, the time frame is that when Jeremiah was prophesying in Jerusalem, and Jeremiah was called as a prophet around about the age of 13. And so sometimes, you know, biblical artists paint these guys as, you know, kind of grey-haired, rugged sort of out there with the wind blowing through their hair and, you know, parting seas and all that kind of stuff. But Jeremiah was 13 when he started prophesying. And God, the first thing God says to him, the job I'm going to get you to do, don't let anyone despise your youth. Don't say, this is Jeremiah chapter 1, don't say, I am but a child. And when you think 13, boy, he, he was young. And as he, over the next 20 years, was prophesying, ultimately into his 30s, and eventually King Nebuchadnezzar came back and we're poised 
as the Babylonians are now outside the, the closed walls of Jerusalem. This is where we're at in the story of Jeremiah. King Nebuchadnezzar is poised to invade Jerusalem again. This time, he's not going to be gentle. And the devastation that will be wreaked in Jerusalem will take them some 600 years to recover from. Jerusalem's been conquered, by the way, conquered and destroyed some 22 times in its history. So when we do archaeology on Jerusalem and we wonder why we can't find loads and loads of stuff, well, consider it's been obliterated 22 times. That makes archaeology challenging. And so when Jeremiah was prophesying, here's this 13-year-old growing into a man in the public eye, imprisoned for being faithful to the Lord, and Daniel as a three-year-old, four-year-old, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, maybe year old, young boy himself, is watching Jeremiah, literally watching Jeremiah on the streets of Jerusalem, in the temple precinct, and he now has a different vision of what it is to be a man. Consider that Jeremiah was told he could never marry. Here we have Daniel, who grew up watching someone who I'm going to suggest was probably his hero, knowing this man, this young man, Jeremiah, teenager, into his early 20s. And we see in Jeremiah's writings that when he got into the depths of his teen years, he struggled with his commitment to God. He didn't want it. He wanted to be normal. He wanted to be average. By the way, there's a huge difference between being normal and average. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Average is just what the crowd's doing. The whole crowd could be dysfunctional. You ever thought about that? And just because you're one of the crowd doesn't mean you're normal. It just means you're, you're average dysfunctional. Here we have Jeremiah doing his thing and inspiring this young boy, Daniel, because what happens when Daniel gets to Babylon... And it's not in the text, but it's obvious that it's happened. The king of Babylon instructs his eunuchs to make Daniel one of them. And I'm guessing Daniel was someone who took that on the chin because he'd seen Jeremiah laid that side of his life down in service to God. So there is no record of Daniel ever marrying because essentially he couldn't and here we have this what i'm going to suggest to you and most commentators would agree is an emasculated young man who is one of the manliest men in the bible and i hope that by the time we are done you have a deep respect for daniel and if that's if we do that i've done well but if that's all we do i haven't done good enough because beyond a deep respect for daniel i want young men in particular to get a new vision for their life and if that's all we do i've done better than well but if that's all i do i haven't done as well as i could because i want fathers and mothers in particular 
to hear something in these opening nine verses that if you're not looking for it, if you're not aware of it, if you're not even thinking about it, you could easily miss. So Daniel, if you know anything about the story, you know that there's two very famous scenes in the book of Daniel. One is the lion's den. The other one is the fiery furnace. These stories sound so incredible most people think they're myths and I'm going to suggest to you quite strongly they are not myths they are again demonstrations of the power of God working through someone who yields to him Daniel was appointed as a king's advisor a royal advisor he served four kings at least four, four that are named. We have Nebuchadnezzar. We have a man called his son, who was probably his grandson, maybe even his great-grandson. His name is Belshazzar. Then we have him serving Darius. Darius is the one who ordered anybody who didn't bow down to the statue to be thrown into the lion's den. Then we have him serving Cyrus the emperor, who was prophesied about by Isaiah by name some 400 years before he came on the scene. You'll read that in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 1. And Cyrus is called my shepherd. Interesting, as it unfolds, Cyrus was the grandson of the emperor of Persia, a prophet not a godly prophet, but a pagan prophet said to the, the emperor at that time, watch out for him, he will take your throne from you. And so Cyrus was banished as a baby, put out in what's called exposure, which is uh, the way they used to do abortions, but just deliver the baby, then put it out and just let it die. Coincidentally, there was a shepherd who he and his wife had just lost their baby that night. She'd given birth and it died. He went out into the field and saw this baby being exposed and, and assumed that the gods had replaced the baby they lost. And the shepherd took Cyrus in and raised him. 400 years before he became emperor, God called Cyrus my shepherd. Scripture's pretty amazing. Daniel, the one who served Cyrus toward the end of his life, right near the end, was a diplomat prophet, the diplomat prophet. He was someone who, who learned how to be incredibly shrewd, incredibly clever. I, I'm always impressed with people who say things and you, you look at them and you go, oh, wow, that's clever. <laughs> that's not what I was going to say. I usually come up with the best way of saying something about three weeks after. This is, we're going to break Daniel, the book of Daniel up into nine sections. And this is the first one. And they, because I'm a preacher, I had to try and make them all start with R. And this one's Daniel's resolve. Then we're going to look at Daniel's revelation then Daniel's refining then Daniel's respect, Daniel's reverie, Daniel's responsibility, his response, his repentance, and then finally his rest. So if you've got Daniel there... We're going to 
jump into chapter 1 and verse 1 and the first three verses kind of just lay the the scene for it so let's have a look here in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it so we've already seen this happen in the book of Jeremiah verse 2 and the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand and some of the vessels of the house of God And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Verse 3. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility. Notice the description. Youths without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge understanding and learning and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the chaldeans hmm this is the pool from which daniel came did you know whenever i read a verse like that in the bible and i've got a pen or a pencil in my hand i like to put little numbers next to each of those attributes so we'll come back to this in a moment I'm going to suggest to you that Daniel is one of the preeminent men of God in the Bible. Jeremiah, you know, hero. I I draw tremendous inspiration from Jeremiah. Daniel, he goes up a few notches. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. I'm also mindful when... We read this section. Here's Daniel. He is an unusual kid. 14, 15, 16 years of age. Did you notice the attributes that he possessed at that age? This is not average. Proverbs 22, 29 says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. This is one of the things about God making someone significant. Behind every successful person, Dr. F.W. Borum says, is a cross that they carry that no one sees. Notice the attributes there. Let's have a look at them because when I look at these, I think this is in scripture to inspire a generation of young men. And I'm going to suggest to you this. God is still looking for young men who will commit to being well-groomed, handsome in appearance, skillful. What does it take to be skillful? It takes a lot of practice. What does a lot of practice take? A lot of patience, a lot of grazed knees, a lot of weary eyes, a lot of strained muscles. What does it take to become skillful? A lot of cuts and grazes, a lot of weariness, a lot of criticism, a lot of coaching, a lot of pain, a lot of anguish, a lot of the the temptation to quit and give up and you keep going, you go through it. That's what it takes to become skillful. How many young men are prepared to break through and become skillful? Daniel did. He was very knowledgeable. He read a lot. Learned, that is, teachable. He was educated and linguistic. And I say linguistic to mean this. He had to learn an entirely new alphabet, an entirely new language. He had to learn the language of the Chaldeans. And you might 
think, well, that's just a language. Yeah, but sometimes that is not necessarily one language, just a thought. He had to be fluent in multiple languages. Can I just see if God is looking for young men who will commit, be well-groomed, be skillful, they'll be wise, they'll be well-read, learned and fluent in multiple languages. Is there anyone here already who feels they fit the bill? And can I suggest at least for the first of those, God's not the only one looking for young men like that. I noticed the laugh had a particular feminine flavour to it just then. Verse 5. The king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. And they were educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. Notice that Daniel's come over here. Look, there were 10,000 people brought over, minimum 10,000 brought over by Nebuchadnezzar. Four of them are named. They were friends. They, they hung together. They got there and they, they kept their friendship going. They, they, they were together, and we see this in the next few chapters, that they were buddies. They were close buddies. So what do we learn about Daniel? Because it would be real easy to be ducks of the school, to be, to be the one who gets all the awards at presentation night for English, maths, language. They're the ones that I sit, at, sit down and watch and go, smarty pants. Anyway, and then, to make matters worse, they get all the awards for athletics, football, cricket, swimming, hockey. Oh, give me a break. And Daniel was like that. Now, what would you be like if that was your night? Every major award, I'm talking to teenagers going to high school or college, and on, on awards night, you walk out with a shopping trolley full of awards. How would you treat others if that was your story? But you notice Daniel still had close friends. So what does that tell us about Daniel? Not only was he extremely competent, very gifted, very good, but he was also someone who knew how to get along with others. He knew how to be, here's the word, sociable. So what do we learn? Well, I think we learn from this that Hollywood presents us with people like James Bond. I mean, good grief. He, he jumps in, uh, um, I saw him fly a Russian MiG fighter plane. I'm thinking, mate, the Russian pilots don't even know how to fly this thing and you just jump in it and take it back to the USA. How do you, you know, it's just a bit ridiculous. But do you notice how many friends James Bond has? Work with me, I know he's just, um, but <laughs> not many. He's, a ma he's what you call a maverick, he's a loner. Daniel wasn't. He wasn't a loner. He knew what it was to be in community. What does it take when you're really highly gifted? Are there any really exceptionally intelligent, highly gifted people here this morning? When you're, when you're like Daniel, highly gifted, highly intelligent, and that's not all. We haven't come to the other things. As we'll see in a moment, he was deeply spiritual. So this is a, what we might call a renaissance man. He kind of had a lot of things really worked out from a very young age it would, wouldn't it be easy to be arrogant about that wouldn't it be easy 
to not be humble. Here's Daniel. He's not a maverick. He's connected with people. And, and I think this is a, a, a New Testament principle that tells us to associate with the lowly, to associate with people that don't know as much as we do, don't own as much as we own, don't earn as much as we earn, don't dress as nicely as us. This is a New Testament principle, isn't it? And we see this in Daniel here. He was someone who was really good friends. But the other thing too, you notice it's not 12 friends, 20 friends, 30 friends, or 1,305 Facebook friends. Have you noticed it's just three guys? I think you probably would have a number in, in that zone who would really take the time to listen, be with you, care for you. And we see this in Daniel. We're in verse 7 and it says, The chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. And so he changed their names. And, and this, this is something that I guess we could look at too. Daniel had a willingness to adapt. A willingness to adapt. There was a certain flexibility in his personality. And I reckon that's one of the things that got him through this horrible experience. Taken away from family, taken away from home taken away from familiar surroundings taken away from his childhood hero now he's with his three friends essentially all alone so verse 8 this is the key verse but daniel see that word resolved let's just ponder this again this is a 14 15 16 year old young boy he's taken into the king's palace he's put under royal guardianship and he resolved certain things does the word courage spring to mind he resolved really it, it what happens after this just is of less consequence than the fact that he resolved to do something this tells me as we'll see in a moment a lot about daniel he resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food what was it about the king's food well firstly hebrews as they were known then they weren't called jews until the end of the exile because what happened was you won't find the term Jew in the history of the Bible before the book of Daniel. And the reason for that is these people from Judah were nicknamed Jews by the Babylonians. Just by the way. So these Hebrew boys from the tribe of Judah were forbidden from eating certain foods as a way of honouring God. They weren't to eat anything that was just dead in the field it had to be butchered in an appropriate manner it couldn't be strangled and one of the reasons for this is that oftentimes strangulation was a part of pagan worship ceremonies it couldn't be pigs because pigs were an animal that god chose to have as symbolic of 
uncleanness, so they couldn't eat pork. These restrictions no longer apply today, but back then they did. And so legend has it that King Nebuchadnezzar, Emperor Nebuchadnezzar, would take his enemies, hack them to pieces and feed them to his pigs. And so by eating the pork of these pigs, you were eating the flesh of your enemies and legend has it, you were drawing strength from your enemies. That's the legend. But even if that wasn't the legend, Daniel wasn't going to eat food that he thought might in some way dishonor God. And he wasn't prepared to drink wine, alcohol. He was a young man who understood what the Bible says about alcohol. And he wasn't prepared to drink it. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. This is a gutsy move. This is a kid defying the king. And God gave Daniel favor in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs and so we're introduced to daniel in these opening verses and we're going to leave it here at verse nine this is a this is no ordinary kid this is no average kid this is someone who's very special and this is the foundation of which the book introduces us to this young man and i hope that there are young men that are going i've never had such a vision for my life I've never seen schoolwork as worship. I've never seen reading as worship. I've never seen being sociable as worship and honouring to God. I've never seen it that way. Daniel gives me a new vision for the world in which I live. So here's my question. How does someone become like Daniel? How do you get a Daniel? How do you take a kid out of Judah in Israel Take him a thousand miles away, put him in a pagan culture and you have him making a resolved decision to honour God. I mean, why? His parents aren't watching, his youth pastor's not watching, his rabbi's not watching, his high priest isn't watching. Who's going to know? And yet something had happened in his heart where he said, I don't care what people think. I'm living my life before my God and I'm going to honour him. How do you get a kid like that? The Bible tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart. So let me talk to parents, young parents in particular. Do you have a vision for your parenting? Do you have a vision? I'm not talking about becoming a soccer mum or a soccer dad, or a a hard taskmaster. But I am talking about giving your children a grand vision for their life that involves worship of God, and that work becomes worship, schoolwork becomes worship, helping at home, bearing responsibility becomes worship. Being in the house of God is an act of worship. Reading your Bible each night. I mean, Ruby's now eight and she's been reading a chapter of her Bible every day since she was six. It didn't happen by accident. One of the worst things you can say to a parent of good children is, oh, what luck. 
Gee, you're lucky with your kids. Yeah, like we had nothing to do with it. They just popped out really well behaved and disciplined and bearing responsibility. And we're just, we're just as equally amazed as you are. Thanks for calling us incompetent. It doesn't happen by luck, does it? Now, of course, there are parents who parent their children with the best of intentions and they don't work out well. So this can't be all that's involved, is it? How do you end up with a Daniel? The favour of God. We read it in that text, didn't we? The favour of God. Daniel experienced the favour of God. How do you become like Daniel? Good parenting, that helps. The favour of God, that helps. You see, Daniel ended up becoming someone who resolved he wouldn't go along with the crowd. And I hope every young person has that same resolve. I'm not going to do it just because the crowd does it. I'm not going to go along with the crowd. I'm going to be someone who lives my life before God. Daniel had come to know God as a personal experience, not just a good idea. He had come to know God. And here's my question. Do you? How does someone become like Daniel? Well, it doesn't happen overnight and it's nothing to do with good luck. It has much to do with Daniel's personal experience of God. More from Dr Corbett next week on The Life of Daniel. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Daniel's Resolve, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.